Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm super excited to announce a lovely guest coming all the way from Scotland, where I've always wanted to go, so maybe one day I'll get there. Uh, this is Dion. Dion, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? So after six years, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, when I first started my periods, they were painful. Um, I just thought that that was a normal part of being a teenager. Um, every month it would just be, I would be doubled over in pain, I'd be vomiting. Paras- it was a type of pain that paracetamol just wouldn't touch. Um, you know, and I'd spoke to other people about it and they were sort of saying to me, actually, well, it's a part of growing up, you know, it'll get better as you get older. And I think as well, you kind of hold on to that and you kind of hope that actually maybe one day this will get better. Um, but unfortunately, the sort of running up to sort of being fifth, sort of 16, 17, every month was just absolute hell. Um, do you know, like there was problems like going to the toilet was painful. Like you wouldn't think that something like that, you know, would be traumatic. Um, but you know, it was that painful that I would be vomiting. Um, the pains were just oh, they were awful. Um, I'd went to gynae to be seen by gynecology, and again, they were kind of like it's just your age, you know, just everybody gets this pain, it will get better and kind of set me away with sort of like the pill and um, all these different hormones and it was more, I felt like they were just trial and error, they'd give me one drug, if that didn't work, straight on to another one and then it just continued and continued and nobody kind of, they just seen it as, oh well your pain's dysfunctional, you know, or it's in your head when I knew that the pain that I was experiencing was real um you know and it was saying to guy like I really need somebody to kind of take action here and you know do something about this because living with pain is just it's exhausting um it wasn't I think it took a couple, good couple of years and again I was still fighting with doctors and it was honestly as if they had no understanding of endometriosis at all. Their sort of perspective was masking the symptoms I felt by just throwing different drugs at it, so painkillers, hormones, you know, they would offer things like the coil, the implant all these kind of drugs and but there was no action as to what they could do about the problem um but obviously the difficulty was trying to kind of get somewhere and I think get a diagnosis as well because you're made to feel as if you're going off your head and you know you find you doubt you doubt yourself you really, you do when you're starting to kind of, because you're starting to think, am I just imagining this? Like, do you know, you have all these thoughts and if you were to say to someone else without a chronic condition, they would just look at you and be a bit like, 
maybe you are. But I think through all this, it's knowing that actually I do know my own body better than anyone. And if something is wrong, do you know, it's about sort of standing up. And I think as well, it's having that courage to do that. Because sometimes when you are being put down and dismissed, it does, you do take a bit of a knock. Do you know, it kind of, for me, I would say that it made me quite nervous about speaking to doctors, um, which is kind of why I do all my awareness stuff as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so funny. (laughs) I literally just had a call with someone that had endometriosis and she went through the same thing. It's just crazy how it's almost like these doctors don't believe that this disease is real or something. Sorry, that's just my dog in the background. Oscar, you're in the podcast now. Good job. (laughs) Um, You know, so and it's so sad that you had to go through something like this in pain every single day. And then, you know, have that feeling that you're the one that's crazy, or you're the one that's maybe making this up when you're right. Our bodies know best. We know our bodies best and, um, no doctor can make us feel like we're crazy or no doctor should make us feel like that because of the fact that why would we, why would we make up that we're living in pain on a regular basis? To me, that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you were going to the, you're going to the doctor and saying to them, "Look, I'm in pain mm-hmm. every day. I've got these symptoms," and they kind of just look at you as if they're like, "You can't be experiencing that," or they'll right. put it down to age, or you know, they'll put it down to age. That's been something that I've heard about more and more. Or it's like maybe your pain's just, for example, like constipation. <laughs> Do you know, I've had people actually be told that. And they kind of look at actually maybe it is something that we can fix. Whereas we're like, no, I have endometriosis. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it's just trying to get that validation as well. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. Like, I think... Yeah. For someone to actually finally say, yeah, I hear you. Like, I know, I, I know that what you're going through is bad. Like, it's hard to get to that stage because it can take so long as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because it took them six years to diagnose you. So, of course, you had to deal with the roller coaster of emotions and the, am I crazy? Am I doing this to myself? And then, of course, no, like, I know my body best. And then all we really want is for some, our doctors to say, oh yeah, a hundred percent, you know, but we have to, we almost have to beg them for validation sometimes. It's just, it's crazy. And, and yet we're the ones that are suffering and they're supposed to be the professionals. So, you know, you go into appointments and you think I'm going to get somewhere today and then you can come out and it just feels like everything's kind of crumbled behind, like around you because, Mm -hmm well nobody's they've kind of said to you why don't you go and try this and I'll see you in three months time that was kind of a lot of what when I was trying to get diagnosed that was what happened to me a lot whereas I'd see all these different doctors and then they would be like right go and try this we'll give it three months and then in three months time we'll review things so like you were going away and trying it and then things weren't working out and then you couldn't get an appointment until like three months later so in that time you're kind of trying to find ways of managing 
mm-hmm. and you're going to your like doctor and like the general practice and sort of saying to them look what do I do this isn't working and they're a bit like actually we don't know do you know mm-hmm. you're under as gynae they should be the ones that tell like tell us what to do mm-hmm. but the doctors were kind of like my hands are tied I don't know if it was mostly about because the understanding about endometriosis yeah I think it's just I just feel that they just think it's a bad period when it's not you know it's it's not pain like some people maybe get flare-ups like around the period time whereas for me and a lot of other people it's constant pain Mm -hmm. and you know you're living with that every single day you know you go to bed tired eh, tired and sore you wake up tired and sore you know there's just no kind of getting a break from it Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and and you're totally right on that point where it's not necessarily because the doctor doesn't care about what's happening to you it could just be pure ignorance about their and instead of them saying you know why don't I refer you to maybe an, a more appropriate person? They just say, oh, maybe it's all in your head or maybe, you know, I, I can't help you or some, something along those lines. And so it's just, it's so frustrating because at that point, it, it almost feels like we're the victim sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is sad. I think as well, like when they finally decided that they were going to do a laparoscopy um, to, to kind of diagnose, because mm-hmm. I mean, at that point they told me, actually we think you've got endometriosis and I'd never heard of this word ever like I googled my symptoms because I was that worried about them and endometriosis mm-hmm. had come up but it wasn't something that I thought that that would be what I had um but like when they told me they confirmed it it was like I was right all along like you know mm-hmm. you have you're kind of relieved to kind of have like sort of know what the what is going on but mm-hmm. then you're kind of sad at the same time because you're kind of like I've got this condition like mm-hmm. you know it can impact on everything yeah. and as well you know at first you I was made to believe that it was a condition where as long as they were to go in and like remove it that was it I was basically made like made to believe that it was one surgery and that would fix the problem um but obviously when I got referred on to the more sort of specialist side of it they were like actually no it grows back and I was a bit like oh right (laughs) like totally kind of oblivious to what like was gonna what was happening um because you know I was just kind of given basic information like I was told go on Google, Google this, read up about it. Like, you know, the doctor is telling me, I think you've got endometriosis. But there was no, like, this is what it is or this is what your options are. It was more like, go away and then Google it. You know, Google, there's lots of information on there. And sometimes that can be the worst thing that you can possibly do. Yeah. Because (laughs) internet throws up so much. And, you know, people associate endometriosis, you know, the first thing that you see is things about, like, infertility. Mm-hmm. You know, that comes up and you're sitting and you're thinking, is this something that I should be worrying about? 
do you know, and obviously in terms of the information available, I just felt like there was sort of hardly anything out there. Mm-hmm. Do you know, you were kind of just made to read up on this on your own. And after reading it, you've got so many questions, right. but nobody to answer them. Mm-hmm. until you see a consultant next and then they're kind of just like well we'll do this surgery find out what's happening inside and then or they'll tell you you know we found it and it's either like on my in my situation it was on the bowel um and I think it was the back in my uterus and at that point they were like we could remove this we could remove some of it but the problem was it was um it was too risky because my bowel was involved oh wow so I kind of said to them you know what what happens now and they were like well if you get further symptoms you will have to have more surgery um but it'll be with probably we'll have to get um like colorectal surgeons involved Mm -hmm. or give them sort of input because it's the bowel and they said to me, you know, in the worst case scenario, they had to obviously inform me that I could have ended up with a colostomy bag. But they'd said to me, you know, you, that can happen. And I obviously had to sign consent just in case. Um, but they were kind of like, you won't know until like you wake up from surgery with what we've done. Um, which is scary as well, because you're, you're sitting consent into this operation and you're getting told about things like risk of damage to the bladder, uterus, um, you know, your um, risk of colostomy bag, you have to resect the bowel. And you're sitting there and you're like, wow. I don't think this was like, you, you don't expect to be told, sat no. down and told these things. That's so a lot. It, was, <laughs> it was a lot, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I, I didn't realize that endo could cause like that much havoc on the body and, and to a point where, you know, you have to have that type of a surgery. So have you, you haven't had surgery yet then I'm assuming? Um, so I've had my, I had surgery. So I've had four surgeries for the oh. condition. Wow. Um, they've all kind of been, so Maybe say it was 2016, then I had to go in for another one, 2017. And then it was sort of in 2019 they did another one. Um, but like the in that one, it was a it was a mess. Um the bowel was stuck to the uterus. Um it was on my cervix. Um it was they had to like what they had to do was they had to shave my bowel. So the the good sort of thing about that is I didn't have to like that like reset it or anything um but they were able to shave it but the only downside was that it left kind of residual endometriosis so they didn't actually get it all um but they were confident that it would be like enough to stop the debilitating symptoms um so that was quite a big up because they had to obviously unstick and there was a T-gens and I just didn't know how it could get into that much of a mess. But they were sort of saying, yeah. hopefully I could get a bit of a longer period um, from that surgery. So it was, that was, so my recent one was April 
um, where they obviously removed the endometriosis um, and there was adhesions as well, which they think was what was causing the more sort of severe pain. Um, and they put in the marina coil, but on that side of it, I think it was because we've kind of tried a lot of options, but it's kind of failed. And they've sort of said to me, you know, if you try this, you know, see how it goes. And then if you're finding that it's causing problems, you know, we can easily take it out. Um, so what they've done is they've left like the strings of the coil um, pretty long. So if needed, it can just be taken out by one of the, by a doctor um, because the strings will be long enough. Um, but I think in a way they were sort of thinking about sort of preserving fertility as a big one, but also kind of trying to buy me some time of just trying to have a bit of normality. Um, I suppose because yeah. you know it's been the last six years it's just been constant pain yeah so did you get any relief like how are you feeling now with everything so I've not been that great um since surgery so the endometriosis has basically it's affected my bladder okay so I had some tests done back in March so I had um I'd had issues like passing urine I couldn't pee properly there was oh a couple God. of um sort of situations where I went into full-blown retention like I couldn't pee at all um had to go to hospital they put catheters in mm -hmm. um and left it in for maybe a couple of weeks just to kind of give my bladder a bit of a break um, then they'd take it out and things would be all right, but they would still not be great. Um, I got referred back to Eurogyne and they were kind of a bit like, right, we'll do bladder diaries, we'll see kind of what, what we can gather from that. Mm -hmm. So they did that and they were like, actually, we don't think you're emptying your bladder properly. So at that point, they were like, you know, you're going to have to use catheters. But it was intermittent ones, so I can just kind of put one in and then take it out again mm. and just do that when, like, sort of needed at that point. It would just depend on how I was doing that day. Um, but at that point, obviously, things didn't improve. And wow. they decided that, I'd have to do maybe a bit more than what I would be doing it normally. So I do it daily. Um, so it's been up to five to six times a day. So it's been okay. trying to kind of build that into like into a routine, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it's first thing in the morning, last thing at night, making sure that my bladder's fully empty. Um, it's been kind of remembering if I'm going out taking like supplies with me just in case um, do you know I go to the toilet and nothing happens um, I had like a test done in March where they put like 
like little it's like lined into the bladder and they measure kind of like the pressures and it was quite a technical test um I kind of understood it a bit but at that point it was quite it felt quite invasive because you know they're putting all these lines in and they're telling you to like pee and you're kind of like just pee they're all standing watching you oh my um, goodness. and obviously at that point I was like I can't I literally mm-hmm. can't like wow. they gave me like five minutes privacy Randa's tap to try and help which can just made it worse mm-hmm. um but obviously I only managed to pass like a small amount but when they did a scan they still realized there was like still 450 in there wow. so they were like that's a problem so they sort of said to me what to do go to the toilet is normal use your use the catheter and, and empty your bladder that way so um they got the results back from that test and that was when they told me that the nerves were affected um she was saying it was the endometriosis but also the risk of the having like pelvic surgery as well has had the impact on my bladder so um I'm on obviously that's caused kind of problems with the catheterization so infections quite a big one so like it's just been constant antibiotics for infections they have me on um, they have me on like antibiotic like it's like a not a, like a long-term antibiotic it's um what it's supposed to do is it's meant to kind of reduce the amount of bacteria that's in the bladder mm-hmm. um so I've been on that since sort of March time um I think it's still early days I don't know obviously how how, how when it's going to kind of kick in and kind of take effect but they've put me on the list for there's a procedure called um sacral nerve stimulation okay so it's like the way I kind of the way it was explained to me because I was given a booklet and it was pretty technical (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean just reading it for me after an appointment it was just too much Mm -hmm. because you're just being told your bladder is actually not like functioning how it should and you come away and you're thinking, I just want to be normal. Yeah, no kidding. Do you know, I'm, so they're like, yeah, this procedure, what happens is it's like a pacemaker for the bladder. Oh. And I was a bit like, that was the way it was described to me. Um, and they were like, basically, it comes in two parts. And I was like, okay. I just thought it was sort of something where they would just go ahead and do it. But what they have to do is they have to do like a trial so like there's a trial phase and then there's like an actual inserting it phase it's strange in a way because you know I'd obviously got um advice from like another consultant from America he was a gynae he specialized in endometriosis and he was the one that told me about it. And he was like, no, no, if you were my patient, this is what I would be doing. 
and he explained it better than what obviously I've had it explained to me at that appointment um but yeah it's quite scary I think mm-hmm. it's just obviously it's the not knowing because it's a trial you know you it might there's a chance it might not work you know what I mean um mm-hmm. yeah so it's mostly a bit like but you just don't think that a condition like endometriosis could do that to your bladder right like yeah. it's scary how it just attacks the different organs mm-hmm. yeah and I suppose some of them don't really know how to manage that I've found like trying to get kind of like urology um, appointments here I waited a while um, it wasn't until we had to put it as like urgent because things had got so bad mm-hmm. but I think the waiting the waiting times for here is over a year to be seen by them oh wow that's crazy and in that time lots of people are deteriorating really quickly yeah and it's getting to that point where the situation's urgent and you know something needs to be done mm-hmm. pretty quickly because there is you know there's some girls that literally have got catheters in because they can't pee That's you know crazy. because of the condition it's it's so much to get your heads around mm-hmm. well and especially for you because you just went through six years of pain from your endometriosis and being misdiagnosed for six years and now you have to deal with now your bladder on a daily basis where this is you're right like when when can you just go back to normal and being a regular human being if you will kind of thing like that's frustrating it's kind of like worrying about um like have I got medication for when I'm going about do you know like if I'm going to work have I got enough catheters with me have I got enough medication you know you're think you've got all these things you know you're taking you feel like you're taking a I feel like I'm taking like a pharmacy to work with me you know because I've got so much medication in the in my bag and there's catheters mm -hmm. and you know it's like being prepared to go places yeah that's correct and you're so young too how old are you I'm 23 (laughs) that's unbelievable that's unbelievable. Oh my goodness. You have your whole life ahead of you. You're only 23 years old and this is your quality of life right now. Well, I hope that you find relief with whatever they're, they're doing with this like bladder pacemaker thing. I, I, you know, cause that's, you've been through the ringer and back and you're only 23. That's crazy. It's just scary. I mean, it's all yeah. different treatment options as well. Do you know, yeah. menopause, like there's like a treatment called it's like a injection um it's called there's things like Zolodax there's Decapeptil I don't know if you've heard of any of these drugs I, I think I've heard of a couple of them but I'm not 100% sure what they do but like there was one I had Decapeptil um a couple of years ago and basically that puts your body into like a false menopause right yeah um and that's been kind of offered to a lot of people now as an option okay um for me it didn't do much I think the horm- the sort of the 
sort of side of that, you've got the sort of menopause side. Do you know, you're sitting in work, for example, and you're having a hot flush and people are looking at you to say like, are you all right? And it's having to explain to them, actually, I'm going through a menopause. <laughs> Do you know, it's just the thought of that. And obviously like, you would get looks from people sort of saying, but you're only, you're only in your 20s. Right, yeah. Obviously, Unbelievable. I think you can get like, a, it's like an injection you can get monthly or you can get like the three monthly one. Um, they put me on the monthly just because they weren't wanting to give me like three months and then mm-hmm. if it was to go didn't work and cause like side effects um but it's scary that drugs like this I mean they use these solid dats and decapeptal drugs for like cancer oh that's scary <laughs> um but they're also using it for endometriosis as well mm-hmm. and it's becoming something that you're hearing more and more of mm-hmm which is it's quite scary the fact mm. that cancer drugs are being used for sort of managing endometriosis right right so you just have to think okay how how severe is endometriosis for us to have to use those types of drugs kind of thing yeah. that's crazy you know and i mean like look at your case your case is quite severe too yeah so Um, I know we've been talking a lot about some of the hard things that you've been through, a a lot of the hard things that you've been through, but, you know, if you had to think about it, has there been any good things or like the best thing that's come from your situation? I think it's meeting other people. Um, I think for me, it's been like I helped to run a support group. Um, Oh, good. Cool. And for me, I think meeting other people has been kind of the most helpful. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, I could be around people and sort of say today, you know, I'm having a really bad day, like I'm feeling really sore, I'm this, and other people will be like, do you know what, I understand, I understand how you're feeling. And I suppose in a way, I know it's not helpful to them, but it can be quite comforting Mm -hmm. just having someone say, actually, you're not on your own with this. Um, So it's definitely been kind of meeting other people. But also for me, I think it's been able to kind of have a platform where I'm quite open about it yeah like obviously starting my Instagram that started off with like 200 followers and at one point I was kind of just like documenting day to day about just how I was feeling the process of trying to get someone to listen to then kind of documenting about the good and the bad and I've had messages from people actually say to me do you know I love I love how you're quite honest about it mm-hmm. and you know there will be days where I'm just you know you just feel totally devastated by the condition oh, and totally. do you know I think as well it's kind of letting other people know that you know what it's actually okay not to feel okay do you know yeah. you're allowed to have days where you just want to cry and you just want to scream you know and oh yeah it's, uh, definitely and over a lot of people you know there there's people that are wanting to like hide how they feel because they're scared of like hurting other people or upsetting them or you know you do see that a lot 
Mm-hmm. But I suppose as well, it's kind of saying to people, you know what, it's all right to kind of say, do you know what, I'm actually having a really crap time. And I think as well, like for people, it's just being there is the main thing. Mm-hmm. I think people think from what I've seen, like they sort of see, well, you know, why don't you have counselling? But, you know, just having someone to listen just can make such a difference. Yep. And it's not like you're asking somebody to just fix the problem. No. <laughs> but just to like sit there and kind of listen and sort of say, do you know what? I hear you. And do you know what? I'm, do you know, just all the helpful things like I'm there for you. Do you know, you don't have to kind of just be a counselor and overnight just know everything about the condition. But having like some sort of understanding, or, or even like sort of understanding a little bit about what it is as well, because mm-hmm. you do, you do, you're surprised. You do it does. You do find that you're quite surprised when you're talking to someone and they'll go, "Oh, I've seen that on TV," or "I know what that is." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Definitely. in a way, it is quite. It is comforting because you're like actually you might be someone that understands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I wonder if that like kind of stems from you know your medical trauma from not just you but all of us with <laughs> chronic disease um, like from our medical trauma from our doctors not being understanding or our doctors telling us it's all in our heads and so it's so nice to be able to talk to somebody that says you know I get it I've been there I know exactly mm-hmm. how you feel and validating every single emotion that we're feeling because we go through so much with our diseases, because we go through the ups and downs, we have our good days and our bad days. And so yep. you're right. Having those people that can validate everything that we're going through, because we're not alone with this, even though sometimes we, yep. it feels so lonely. Cause I mean, there can be symptoms that you experience and you sort of think, am I the only one that's experiencing this? And then you go online into like a group on Facebook or it's a closed private one. And you see someone talking about what you've been experiencing for so long. Mm-hmm. And then other people coming in and saying, oh, I get that too. And not that it's like, it's sort of bad that, you know, they're experiencing that as well. But hearing like, actually, I'm not the only one. Exactly. Dion, did you have any more advice or anything you want to say to my listeners for their struggles? I think if anyone's struggling with any sort of endometriosis, like symptoms like pain or anything, and they're trying to get support, I think if your doctor's not listening to you, like for me, I would certainly say that it's okay to get a second opinion, you know, it's all right to go to some another doctor and say you know this is what's going on for me and try and get a different sort of view on it um I think it's something I've had to do a couple like quite a lot um about going to different and seeing different doctors for different sort of second opinions but I think as well it's just sort of being sort of like sort of knowing actually what I'm experiencing is real you know it's just letting yourself know that actually your pain is real and in a way you have to be your own advocate with a chronic illness and you do you have to fight for yourself like you shouldn't have to but you know I think standing up and it can be hard sometimes but 
standing up and sort of advocating for yourself and trying to get yourself to you know the best sort of help and support that you can and and you're so right I mean it sucks that we have to advocate for ourselves and go get second and third and fourth and fifth opinions on what we're going through but at the end of the day we are the ones that are fighting for our our health and our bodies right yeah yeah awesome well, Dion, I just want to thank you so much for your time and being vulnerable and telling your story and everything. But before we get going, how can my listeners get in touch with you? I am on Instagram. Um, my account is endowarrior underscore x. Or, yeah, um, I'm happy for people to message if they've got any questions or just want to chat or, yeah, just get in yeah. touch build that community. Absolutely. Well, I will make sure that your Instagram handle is in the podcast description for everybody to connect with you as well. Perfect. Awesome. All right, Dion, thank you so much for your time again. And I'm sure hopefully we'll have you back on the show, maybe when you're feeling a little bit better and maybe we can touch base on, you know, if, uh, you know, you're getting better with the bladder thing or whatever it is kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Great. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely. Our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Dion and I will catch you on the flip side.